Hi, I'm Ben Bays, executive producer of Aiden 5, the web series, and you're listening to Genretainment. Hello, everyone. It's that time again. Time for another episode of Genretainment over here on SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Marks. And Julie. And Genretainment is where we give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. And for today's show, we get dark and funny with a post-apocalyptic web series, Dark Age. We speak to the creators of the show, Justin Bondi and Andrew Luddington. They fill us in on the behind-the-scenes creations of this darkly funny web series and also why they hate Seth Rogen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We also learn more about the upcoming second season. But before we get started with the interview, we do want to point out that the music that you heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song for our web series, Reality On Demand. It's a song composed and performed by our friend Tishon Hardy, and you can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com. Now let's get started with our interview with the creators of Dark Age. 18 months ago, the social and technological infrastructure that propped up our hobbling civilization collapsed. Finally. Hi guys, this is Marks and... And Julie, and today we're speaking with the creators of the post-apocalyptic comedy web series Dark Age, Justin Bondi and Andrew Luddington. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Now, for those of our listeners who have not seen the show yet, uh, can you give them an idea of what to expect? So Dark Age is a post-apocalyptic comedy. And the premise is about 18 months or so ago, uh, the world has come to an end. Uh, civilization has crumbled, maybe aliens attacked or the rapture occurred. The point is, is that no one who has survived really knows what happened. Because if the cause wasn't obvious and one day the power and all the communications cut out, I mean, would you really know what was going on, right? So our, our main characters happen to have survived for at least a year and a half or so and are holed up in a fortified barn, which its owner, whose name is Arthur, refers to as the castle. And they are basically trying to both stay alive and figure out what daily life is going to be, you know, what what life is going to be about now. So we thought a lot of comedy could be pulled out of this. I mean, we start with a guy trying and failing to mount a head on a stake to act as a warning to intruders. So that's kind of the feel that we wanted to get out of it. Post-apocalyptic comedy has gotten a lot of press this summer because of... uh, because of a couple films that are coming out, like the, uh, you know, This is the End, which was the, uh, the one with... Uh, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen, thank you. <laughs> Seth Rogen. Uh, his comedy that came out. And, and what we decided to do was do a... We wanted to do a comedy about the end of the world that started well after the world actually ended. So if you think about it, it's the what happens after the actual apocalypse occurs. So the apocalypse occurs maybe 18 months to two years after this occurred, there would be this, you know, people would kind of obviously be dispersed out of the cities and all this kind of stuff. And they would sort of begin to create their own communities. And, but what actually happened in terms of why did the world end would be very much a you know, who knows? It would be it would be word of mouth. There would be rumors. You know, no one would really understand what occurred. So what we decided to do is start with a group of people who were kind of, you know, sort of aggregated around a guy who was like a survivalist, like, a, you know, like a doomsday prepper, like their shows on, you know, on the, I don't know what that is, the History Channel or whatever it is, and who basically said, you know, who who was kind of prepared for something like this. And he was right, right? And that's our character. <laughs> that's our character, Arthur. He was correct. The world actually ended and he was ready for it. And there were a few people who basically, you know, he, he kind of took in to be on his team. So Ruth is one of our characters. She's his ex-wife who had left him because he was crazy. And then she came back because he was right. <laughs> <laughs> and he took her back in. And, you know, and Virgil, who is basically thriving in this world because he, uh, this is basically the, the world he was made for. And Kat, who is a more of a, a nomad kind of survivor. So the, you know, what we're kind of working with is the relationship between Arthur and Kat, that Kat 
wants to be more of a nomad. She thinks that they need to leave this, you know, what Arthur calls his castle, right? His citadel. <laughs> she thinks they need to move out of that where Arthur wants to, you know, kind of hole up and fortify. So, you know, the, the, the idea is basically, you know, a community is rebuilding itself after all the apocalyptic stuff happened. We didn't want to focus on the moment of the end of the world. We wanted to focus on what happened once things started to kind of settle. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't hear the words post-apocalyptic and comedy together. Until recently. Until yeah. recently. Right, right, but right. But they don't exactly. happen very I, often. I mean, I'd like to point out that, that we... Uh, we had planned this long before we ever heard of <laughs> Seth Rogen's comedy. Yes, and yes. We, we probably were, we planned were, it long before you heard of Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But we were, and we were really, we feel, we feel that he probably copied us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Darn yeah, you, Seth so. Rogen! Damn you, yeah. Seth Rogen! That, that'll be probably. your battle cry for like a next season. <laughs> Damn you, right. Seth Rogen! Exactly. Damn you, Seth Rogen! Yes. That's what you can call the head that's on that stick, Seth Rogen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <right>. Nice. <laughs> Good idea. Um, <laughs> so what was the inspiration of mixing comedy with, you know, what usually is more of a dramatic or depressing, dark kind of drama? You make action? it sound like the end of the world is I a bad know. thing. <laughs> I mean, you're just like, oh, <laughs> the end of the world. Plus there's a lot of, you know, you have a lot of references to, you know, medieval type stuff with the dark age. The opening the, music. The music, yeah, is some very... Of the, some of the characters, you know, like Cat reminds me a little bit of a roguish type character. He's a bit... So what we're asking is, is there a lot of, like, role-playing background here, too? <laughs> <laughs> oh, been outed. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely both role-players from way back. You can't uh, from other geeks. <laughs> but yeah, exactly, exactly, right. It's, well, we don't really try that hard. Uh, <laughs> but also, a lot of it was, uh, when we were thinking about the inspiration for the show, a lot of it came from what brought about the, the, the first Dark Age, right? The collapse of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. And so we started thinking about it from that perspective and thinking, yeah, you know, it's really not that dissimilar. And at first, when we were, we were first started thinking about the show, we weren't necessarily thinking about it as a comedy, because we're not... Before this, we'd really never written any comedy. Justin and I have sold a couple of uh, pretty serious plot-driven uh, action sci-fi scripts to Hollywood companies that are really, you know, they're not funny scripts. Um, <laughs> but as we started thinking about it, we thought, you know, the fact is, if you are just because you're facing, you know, dire situation doesn't mean that you become any less of a pain in the ass. And if you got you a whole bunch of people... Yeah. And if you got a whole bunch of people holed up in a house together, they're going to get on each other's nerves. And, you know, that's funny. <laughs> all the roommates from hell and a post-apocalyptic world all at the same time. Exactly. So Five roommates and where to go. <laughs> so why a web series versus, you know, you guys... Like are, a traditional feature film yeah, or... A... Like trying to sell a feature film of it or trying to pitch it for television? That's a, that's a really good question. And actually... That um, basically goes back to the fact that we have uh, sold a couple of film scripts, and that's been great and very rewarding, and we've gotten to work with some really fun people in Hollywood, but we've never had a movie made. Mm -hmm. And we just, you know, after working on a project in, in for quite a while that ended up in Turnaround, we just said, you know, let's, let's actually just make something ourselves <laughs> right, right. so we can see it through. Yeah, because we're very much we're very much writers. I mean, that's that's what we've been doing. I mean, Andy and I have been writing together since 1996, I think, oh, when we we're, yeah. when we started working on our first feature together that we ended up selling. So we, you know, but we other than the uh, the short film that we uh, made with Vitus, we hadn't really done any producing. We hadn't really done any, you know, like seen anything made. So we were we. We're really attracted to the web series medium because we thought, well, you know, a couple of things. One is it's something that we could probably pull off on our own, right, mm -hmm. without a lot of, you know, Hollywood backing or, you know, or significant amount of money. And then it was, you know, we, we decided it was also somewhat out of our comfort zone because, you know, it's, it's essentially a feature length script. It's about 90 minutes in total, you know, nine, 10 minute episodes, but you know, we we didn't write it as a feature and then split it up. We wrote it as 
individual episodes. So we have episodes that kind of link together, like four, four and five, which is kind of a two-parter. But then we also have an episode like episode six, which is very much a standalone episode where they're dealing with one specific story that lasts for 10 minutes, but with our original characters. So, you know, we, we also kind of thought of it as a, a cool writing exercise as well. So there are, you know, those, both of those things attracted us to it. Mm-hmm. And by writing something that you knew you would have to produce yourself, you know, what kind of limitations that, that give you, you know, you can't just have big, you know, you can't and go a giant alien, explosion. Yes, giant right. explosion and a giant alien monster falls on you. But basically right, right. you weren't gonna write Pacific Rim if you had <laughs> yeah. to make it yourself. It's... Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. strangely enough, uh, it's very similar to Pacific Rim, for those of you who haven't seen the show. Imagine <laughs> yeah. Pacific Rim was shot in a farm in Michigan and that's <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so we did we did set ourselves some pretty pretty definite limitations and we thought we were being very clever to to shoot something post-apocalyptic because we could we figured okay with you know with existing resources um you know in place sets etc we can we can really get something that's going to look good what we didn't count on is the fact that it's incredibly hard to get away from the noises of the modern world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we were holding for lawnmowers. We were holding for Play. race cars. The yeah. Goodyear and blimp that, flew overhead. <laughs> yeah, we had to hold for the Goodyear blimp. <laughs> Man, that just felt like everything was against you. The Goodyear yeah, blimp. Yeah. Just... <laughs> you should have dubbed it all. And then that would have made it easier to dub yeah. in funny yeah. voices. Yeah. Exactly. From... <laughs> Yeah, it's all in Cantonese. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody sounds like John Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the women, which is really odd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's sexy, though. It's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys have spoken a little bit about your backgrounds in filmmaking. Obviously but... a lot of writing. Yeah, and you're out of the Chicago area. So, uh, can and you tell actors. Us... Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little... Yes, and you're actors, too. You haven't really spoken that much about it, but you have... Especially one of you is the star show, or one of the stars. So, can you tell us a little bit more about about your background, both in, in writing and acting, and the rest of filmmaking. If you have any, sure. I don't know if you went to school for, if you studied any directing or. Sure. So, Andy and I actually met in college. We went to uh, uh, Kenyon College, a small uh, liberal arts school in Ohio, and um, we were both into drama and and English at Kenyon. They have pretty strong program there and and we got to know each other for doing theater together we both acted we both wrote we were in Macbeth together we were in Macbeth together that's right <laughs> exactly. which one of you yeah. was Lady Macbeth oh sorry <laughs> I think that should be no, pretty don't obvious. bring that up that's so uh, <laughs> Andy was a couple of years ahead of me in school he moved to Chicago and I finished up school and I moved to Chicago and um uh, one of my roommates was, uh, we were talking about this for the interview, was uh, Vitas Bardukas, who's a, a, another good friend of ours, who's one of the head writers on Aiden 5. And uh, the three of us uh, produced a short film together. But uh, when I moved to Chicago, and Andy and I kind of reconnected uh, after after college, and we had both been in playwriting class together, and we both were very interested in screenwriting. And we were kind of talking, you know, we had mutual friends and we were kind of talking like, hey, you know, we should write something together. You know, yeah, what I had just come off a uh, I had just come off a kind of a roller coaster ride where it looked like it was I think I came in, I don't know, in the in the last five or something for the um, the Academy's screenwriting competition. Hmm. Um, right. So with yep. my first screenplay, it did really well and I was very excited. And then Justin came along with this fantastic idea for a sci-fi screenplay. So he and I immediately sat down and, and started working on it together. Right. And so we, we worked on that for over a year. And we kind of, that was sort of how we learned to write together. Because we would literally, we would only write together. We would get together once or twice a week. And we would sit down at the computer and literally line by line write together. And Andy would write a line. And I'd say, eh, do this. And then I'd write something. And he'd say, I'd do it. And so we, we kind of got in sync in terms of our writing styles. And we finished the script, and this is extremely long story, but basically we had some friends <laughs> in college who were living in L.A. We sent them the script and basically started to get some attention. And we were basically able to 
once the, the original draft of the script was done, um, go out to L.A., uh, we kind of had a very funny and stereotypical L.A. story in terms of our script got passed around to a lot of studios. We were going to Warner Brothers and Universal and DreamWorks, and we actually got a we had producers who were mad at each other because we were in, we were kind of got drawn into this studio intrigue with, <laughs> with the script being passed to different people who weren't supposed to have it. And we actually got sort of the, you'll never work in this town again talk after we'd been there for three days. Yeah. It, was, <laughs> it, was, Te- it was technically, I, technically I got the talk. Yeah. Well, yeah, you were on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I I yeah. And so, um, so it was just, it was, it was very bizarre and it went very quickly and then it kind of crashed, but then we got introduced to, um, a director who was, who was a um, music video director at the time who has since become a feature film director. And he uh, liked the script and we kind of worked it with him over a couple of years and uh, he eventually uh, bought it from us. So we got, you know, so that was sort of our first script sale. And then he uh, also got us hired to write a script that he had hit that was his idea so we got so we were the writers on that script and that's been optioned a few times at lakeshore entertainment uh which is a production company out in la that did um million dollar baby and like the underworld movies and stuff like that so we had some you know we got a manager and we had all this kind of success and you know it kind of felt like hey we're really doing this but, you know, nothing ever happened because, you know, once, you know, as a writer, so much in that system is out of your control. Right. Yeah. And that's what kind of kind of spurred us to say, we're going to have to do this ourselves. Right. If we want something that we've written on screen, we're going to have to do it ourselves. And that's that's kind of was the genesis of this project. So did that whole crazy experience kind of make you feel like mm, Chicago is a really nice place to live? I think I'll stay there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, so I mean it's that is a, you know, that's a world that is still still exciting and fun, but it's also very very structured and, you know, you have to understand the rules and those kinds of things and we're, you know, I think we're as we've we've gotten older and since we've gotten, you know, we've had that experience, we're a lot more interested in, in doing things that, you know, like dark age would not have necessarily gotten anywhere right in, yeah. in that system. And so we're like, well, oh, let's yeah. just, let's weird. make it, you know, let's make it and do like a, a single camera comedy, right. Basically. Mm-hmm. Right. As a, as a post-apocalyptic story that, that is something that we felt the internet was made for. Right, yeah. So. Yeah. Hollywood's such a well-oiled machine, but it's kind of churning out its own stuff, yeah, and absolutely. and right. really, really trying to break in and and have your own voice in there is is pretty difficult. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now we mentioned that you two are also acting in the series, and mm-hmm. um, if you could let us know a little bit about your acting background, but also um, since you you were writing it, did you write these scare these characters specifically for each of you? So uh, definitely did not write the characters <laughs> for ourselves. I mean, when we wrote Virgil, I don't know about Justin, but I envisioned Virgil as being much more physically intimidating than I am. Yeah. And, uh, I always pictured Virgil as looking kind of like Hagrid from the Harry Potter stories, you know, like this huge, <laughs> this huge, hairy, like imposing. Viking sort of. Yeah, Viking which, kind of guy. Which is pretty much me. Uh, <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but so when we really, (laughs) so we we started doing read through some very early read throughs of it because we cast a lot of the lead parts pretty quickly, but we hadn't found anybody we liked for Virgil. And so I ended up reading Virgil in some of the read throughs and eventually we just kind of got used to me doing it. And so I ended up sticking with the part. Well, sometimes when you type, when you, you when you cast against type, it ends up working out better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. And you get, the, you, get the, you get an excuse not to wear your shirt a lot. 
<laughs> I've, I've gotten a lot of jokes about that. We decided, yeah, we decided we were going to lock in a certain a certain audience demographic, you know, and then, you know, with that. So <laughs> I have a I'm, funny story about that I might share with I might share later. With I'm a little frightened to know what that demographic is. But. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you notice he didn't say what demographic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It could be little old ladies age 65 and older. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can see that, actually. <laughs> so why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about the other main characters and why you cast the actors you did? So uh, Mike Ward, who plays Arthur, is somebody we had worked with uh, on a short on one of the 48-hour film shoots in Cincinnati the prior year. And we hadn't met him before that. And in fact, we didn't meet him during that shooting because we wrote the screenplay remotely and then just saw their performances later. And after we saw him, we just, you know, we thought, boy, he'd be great as Arthur. He's got this sort of understated quality about him. He's, uh, you know, a, a little neurotic. Um, <laughs> and so we, we asked him to to take a look at the script. And his his first response to us was, well, that'll be pretty easy that's that's pretty much me <laughs> uh, and he is he's i think he's great in the role he's uh he does such a great job of of being in his own comfort zone he's you know he's the powerful leader but he's out of his comfort zone so easily <laughs> yeah it's a very narrow zone yeah, his it comfort, is his comfort zone is about half an acre you know? <laughs> yes <laughs> And he's probably the only uh, agoraphobe prepper, right? <laughs> I was going to say, you know, that was probably his comfort zone before the, you know, right. the world, before the yeah. apocalypse. Right, exactly. And what about the other characters? There's three Ruth, female characters. Cat, yeah. Yep. George Ann, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so Ruth is, uh, is played by uh, Dawn Alden, who was a Chicago actress for a long time. She founded a company called Babes with Blades that still exists here in Chicago that's solely dedicated to plays that involve female stage combat. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, and Catherine Catherine Wolf, who plays Cat, is also a member of that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I like them. Oh, it's a great it's it, it's a it's a great group. But yeah. then Dawn moved out to LA about Ooh, boy, probably six or seven years, well, maybe more than that. Anyway, quite a while back, she moved out to L.A. and has been doing a lot of acting in Hollywood. So you've you've probably seen her in, in a variety of television shows. And so, you know, we gave her a – she happened to be in town, and I gave her a call. We She was the first person I thought of when we were starting to think about casting for Ruth. And so she and I just, you know, sat down in a, in a coffee shop, and I'm embarrassed to say I actually read her the entire – first season over coffee <laughs> and did she do, did you do she, different voices did you, yeah did you do and which yeah. one was john wayne which one was john wayne uh, I, did, cat. I did different voices but they were all john wayne <laughs> somehow in cantonese was... yes yes, exactly. yes. Exactly. she goes i understand a single word but yes it's I will brilliant <laughs> And again, there's some similarity there. I mean, she's she's naturally a little snarky. She's she's got this. Uh, uh, she is, in fact, somebody who knows a tremendous amount about plants and and a lot of, has a lot of the sort of background that that Ruth actually has, which is part of the reason why I thought of her for the part, but also just because I know she's a very good actress. And, uh, and the cat in Georgia, Anne. Yeah, and uh, and uh, so Catherine Wolf, who plays Cat, we met her as well through the through. Dawn through the Babes with Blades group, and um, she was. Uh, we were very excited to get her because we felt that she had a, you know, because she has, you know, a very a strong stage background, a strong stage combat background. She had the the feel we wanted for the cat, which was a very kind of rough, independent you know she can take care of herself kind of kind of feel but we wanted her to be able to also play you know some vulnerability maybe she's going to be you know maybe she is going to be uh you know we 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 were trying to set up this relationship with her and Arthur that you weren't quite sure the way it was going to go so we wanted that to be you know we wanted someone who could play that subtlety and and she did she did a great job when we read her for it and and talked to her about the part and she seemed to really get it 
And so we were really excited to have her. I was really pleased with the way she worked out. Um, Georgia Ann is um, Betsy um, was Williams. a Betsy Williams was uh, she was a, a friend of ours, actually a friend of Andy's wife, Melanie. And um, she's uh, she is an actress, also a drama teacher. So she's kind of an educator. And the quality we liked about her is she had this sort of very bright, very optimistic kind of outlook, you know, and that that was kind of what we wanted that character to embody and that she was in this post-apocalyptic world. She was, you know, kind of sunny, you know, she's going to have a baby. So she's kind of like the, the, you know, the embodiment of the optimistic new world and all this kind of stuff. But she had this kind of edge to her that's a little weird that that kind of comes that comes out in the show where you're not exactly sure where she's coming from sometimes. <laughs> and that quality is kind of what I think sets her apart and really made her interesting and made her work out so well is this she's bright and sunny and optimistic. And then sometimes she gives you a look and you're just kind of like, wait, what? Yeah, there's, <laughs> a, there's a little there's a little menace there. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so uh, she's bright yeah. and sunny, but you get the feeling she really could kill them all in their sleep. Yeah, there's something yeah. else going on. Right. So, <laughs> so stay tuned on that. <laughs> the, Just saying. Another <laughs> funny casting story is that um, we knew we wanted Betsy. And so we, we asked her to, uh, to come for the reading. And we got to talking to her, and she said, Oh, well, well, you know, what would you think about my husband, David, coming to the reading as well? Um, he's he's a professional actor here in Chicago, and you know he could stand in for a for a part in the reading. And Justin and I were both kind of like, well, you know, we'll see. We don't know David that well. We haven't seen him on stage. And then he came in, and he was just hysterical as Pastor Randy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so he, and he was he was just pure luck. But he's so good in that part. Yeah, he and Betsy are actually married in real life. <laughs> Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, yeah, but he's great. He was uh, he was sort of the uh, the the lottery win of the cast. <laughs> sort of like, wow, you're sometimes awesome. you just luck out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now these characters live behind a, a huge wall, so yeah. I'm sure. I kind of I'm kind of curious how you tackled. Did you really build standpoint. a post-apocalyptic fortress wall? Yes, yes we did. We did. <laughs> could yes, it really keep back the hordes? <laughs> no, uh, it could not. <laughs> <laughs> of course it could. Of course, of course. But I'll tell you, it could Short really, week. it could really tire out a crew putting it up. Yeah, <laughs> that I can guarantee. Did you yeah. hope there wasn't a lot of wind? <laughs> it's a, well, it's actually pretty. It's pretty stable. It's pretty stable, and it really is about. Uh, it's about almost six inches thick. Oh wow. So the sections are 14 feet tall and about six inches thick. So they're really heavy. <laughs> and it, it is it is really big, a really big solid wall all in sections. So we pieced it all together in place. Yeah. Um, and Some it's, of it, the, the stuff around the edge is we, we digitally put in. So it doesn't actually go all the way around. But it's right. uh, there's about a, it was about what, like about like 20 feet long by about... 24 feet long, I think. And once like we were 10 feet high, where did you find this like location that? that you were able to put up a big wall? Oh, that's a so we, uh, my mother lives in this this area just outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, which for those who don't know well, it's the home of the University of Michigan. It's a sort of traditional college town, mm-hmm. but you go about 20 minutes outside of town, and it is really rural. Um, and so she lives in the the Irish Hills area. Oh, that very, sounds lovely. Doesn't yeah. it? It's very picturesque. I, I'm pretty sure that it was us and leprechauns who were there. <laughs> and six times a year, the Michigan International uh, Speedway racetrack yeah. is populated with hundreds of thousands of people, which it was during our shoot. But, uh, <laughs> hence, but so, the, hence the Goodyear blimp. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> but so we, uh, we ended up getting hooked up with this organic farm called Frog Holler. And... We went out, and Justin and I really weren't sure. We'd already had one major location fall through. And so, you know, we went out and met with Kathy King, who runs the farm. And she is just the nicest woman. We walked around the farm with her, and she literally was just saying, well, do you want to use this building? Or do you want to use the building that's out in the woods? You know, <laughs> we, we could get you power. There's no power out there, but we could maybe hook up a generator. I mean, 
she was she was so nice. And even after we hung out on her property shooting with all of our equipment and disrupted their lives generally, because this is a working farm. Yeah. You know, and we were asking them to be to be quiet <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And a farm is a is a yeah. seven day a week thing. Stop, oh, yeah. Stop, stop plowing that, please. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> stop plowing that. And while you're washing the produce to be shipped off, could you not talk to each other? <laughs> <laughs> For hours on end. Yeah. yeah. But in spite of all of that, uh, she was so gracious and, you know, asked us, hoped, hoped that we would be coming back, which we definitely will be. Um, so we, we could not have asked for a better host for the show. It was great. It was, it was, the shoot itself was, was a blast because what, you know, we decided, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about, okay, we have 10, you know, well, not nine episodes what's the best way to do this? And we, we really decided that, you know, we kind of decided to get ambitious and say, okay, let's, let's shoot it as if we're shooting a feature. Let's take everybody out there and take two weeks and shoot the whole thing. And so that's what we did. So we, you know, we were on the, we were at the farm for probably eight solid days. We had a warehouse shoot. Um, we had a couple shoots out in, uh, some various roads in the, in the area, and uh, it was kind of like movie summer camp. You know, we all <laughs> we all went out there. We you know we worked all day. We had fun at night. Um, we had a our rap party. We got a couple of rented a couple of pontoon boats on a lake and went out and and uh, you know acted like idiots on the pontoon boats. So it was it was uh, so so the, the 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 production process was really really fun. So that that was just a good a good bonus for everyone there because obviously you know everyone is there donating their time essentially and you know taking taking two weeks off from work yeah. or you know those kind of, that kind of thing so and the lesson uh, here is boys and girls support your local organic farmers exactly that's right that and, and i picked up the subtle undertone there justin that what you're really saying is hey listeners if you'd like to come and work on this shoot it's really fun come yeah. for season two <laughs> <laughs> it's really filmed fun. it's like band camp only for film exactly. <laughs> yes that is exactly right exactly <laughs> So what about season two? Uh, when can In this we... one time at film camp? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I lost my shirt. <laughs> and I never got it back again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so season two is definitely in the works. Um, we are, uh, Andy and I are working on the, uh, the scripts for season two right now. We're actually, uh, in about a month, we're going to be going out to Frog Holler, to the organic farm, and shooting a, uh, a promo for our fundraising campaign for season two. So um, we're bringing pretty, I think, all the core cast, right, that we that we discussed yep. out with us doing a couple of days uh, real quick uh, shoot on the farm to shoot a promo for season two. And then probably this fall, we're going to have a fundraising campaign for that. So if everything goes well, probably early next summer, we'll be shooting season two. So support your local organic filmmakers, too. That's <laughs> yes. right. That's the other, the other message. <laughs> That's right. What That's about right. use organic film? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What about the inorganic filmmakers? Come on. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I've, I've got to go with organic on this. All the silicon-based filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, our our rabbit will only eat organic produce. <laughs> She's well, see, a smart girl. As long as, not, or, as long as she doesn't eat organic filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If she gets hungry enough, she might. <laughs> Got to stop by Frog Holler. <laughs> very happy. Yeah, pretty much a, a four-pound bunny is about two and a half pounds of stomach. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this being a comedy, I'm sure there's lots of little funny moments on nope, the set. No, it seems very serious. Uh, These guys serious. keep run a tight ship. Is there any, uh, <laughs> any funny stories you'd like to share? Um, actually, there was a good one that happened when we were... Uh, when we were scouting so we went out in the spring to scout locations and the farm was uh we we actually were thinking about shooting at a different place so um we were we were we were scouting locations and there was a there was actually another another location close by that we were thinking of using and uh we went there and we met with the 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 guy who owned the place and as it turned out he's a real life arthur which we weren't really prepared for, and um, he he eventually act and he was sort of all right with us doing it, 
Uh, he act, asked us some very pointed and politically incorrect questions about who was funding the show. Oh, and um, when we were, when about, it was less than a month, I think, before we were going to shoot, yeah. he let us know that he did not want us to shoot there because he was afraid that our show would actually bring about the end of the world. And he did not want to be involved with that. So, um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so we... <laughs> bless his well, heart. Bless his uh -huh. heart saving us from that because we got to shoot at Frog Holler instead, which exactly being a wonderful, wonderful, extremely accommodating location. Can you imagine yeah. being at that place for two weeks? Yeah. No. yeah. You'd have no. some very different stories. <laughs> we, were, we were prepping the cast and everything. Okay, this guy's really offensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow. Just, yeah. Yankee kicked out, and then he kicked us out, and it actually worked out great. So, yeah. so we also had the uh, the shooting day from hell. There's a whole episode that we had to basically collapse and just pull out a couple of key elements from. It was supposed to be a ten episode for a season, but uh, one of the episodes, which focused focused solely on the uh, the from the Whistler's point of view. Uh, we were all at the Whistler's camp. We, we've got parts of it now that are in episode nine. We pulled out some some really important bits and put them into episode nine. But there was this whole whole episode from their perspective, which was meant to you know be funny because we're showing that our big menacing bad guys are really just a bunch of hapless adults. Yeah. And and they were they were really hapless. But we got you know a, a pretty good location for it. We went out there, started to shoot, and it started to rain. Uh, and so we all went undercover and then it cleared up. So we went out and it started to rain again. <laughs> so we went undercover Then we came out and then lightning struck a tree nearby oh, wow. and, a, and a branch fell off and landed on the electrical wires and was, and the electrical wires were slowly burning through the branch. <laughs> this was, this was the electrical wire we were depending on for our lighting equipment, by the way. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So we had an electrical fire going on, and right. so we're standing there, kind of going. But the light, the the power was still on. The lights were working. <laughs> so we're like, um, we can still keep is, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can. It and was that so, kind of day. Yeah, it was that kind of day. So, and then you know, we we called the pe person who owned the property and said, "Should we call the fire department?" And she's like, "Oh, it'll burn through. It'll be fine." <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. So uh, so that that day was uh, did did not go as planned, to say the least. Oh. Uh -uh. And so we ended up not getting the coverage we wanted, and it was a yeah. So that's why we have nine episodes and not ten. Well, yep. We were going we to ask if you know, being from the Midwest, we understand yeah. uh, if there were any challenges due to the location and the weather. That pretty much answers it. Yeah. Yeah. And every other day, it was over a hundred degrees, yeah. <laughs> and we were in un air conditioned spaces. It was brutal. So. Oh man. <laughs> And and the the barn, as as lovely and wonderful as it is to be on an organic farm, they don't use pesticides. Right. Right. She has so, bugs. Yeah, wasps specifically. <laughs> yeah. Lots so, and lots of wasps. So our, so when we were editing, it was literally we had to edit shots based on how many wasps were in them because it was like they were getting aerated in the barn when we were doing sh when we were uh, shooting in there. So how many yeah. people got stung? Only Actually, one. Only one. Only the DP got stung. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. And he yeah. and the key grip were, were fighting for the entire two weeks over who was killing more wasps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the wasps got back at him. Yes, they right. did. <laughs> That's karma, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. That's right. That's right. He is the wasp killer. <laughs> <laughs> but the wasp took its toll. The wasps will have their revenge. Mm -hmm. That's right. You could have had a whole little subplot about like mutant wasps. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, that's season two. Season two. <laughs> that way, when all their actors start showing up with welts on screen, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> They're the big villains in season two. <laughs> They're just misunderstood. Yeah, that's right. They're just trying to su survive the post-apocalyptic world too. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're much better suited for it. <laughs> Sadly, yes. <laughs> Except Virgil. <laughs> yeah, Virgil. Virgil's got it down. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> oh, it's, speaking of, I don't know why this just popped into my head, but for about a month after doing the shoot, mm -hmm. I was driving around and I realized all of a sudden that in my trunk I had a bunch of arrows, a 
blood-stained baseball bat, a plastic tarp, and some rope. <laughs> I thought, boy, I hope I don't get pulled over. <laughs> we, liked, we liked unloading our vehicles after a shoot because we have on-street parking, and our neighbors would see us pull it. We had, like, a bloody bat, a bloody machete. You know, we had swords. Well, nice. and, and, and it was funny because we, we didn't get crap from anybody for quite a while. Right. It was great. We just kind of walked in with like blood stained weapons and like guns. We had all these airsoft guns that we were carrying. That was a fun weekend. I, 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 I like to grab like the, the sawed off shotgun kind of crooked on one shoulder with the bloody bat on the other and just like walk across down the street. <laughs> and, nice. and everybody went silent and nobody yeah. messed with us for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> the shows the internet and if you go to <laughs> I think you ought to have a uh, a Virgil cameo on reality on demand. We totally should. Yes, he would fit in perfectly. It so. would. Now uh, we often have web series creators and filmmakers listening to the show. We have people listening to the show. Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, since you guys have made season one, uh, is there any tips you'd like to to share that you've learned along the way? I would say that one thing that, you know, it's it's very, I, I think it's project specific, but um, what I was talking about before where we kind of decided to shoot the whole thing in one go, um, if you can do that, I think that our project that definitely benefited because we were able to take people to a place and, you know, and kind of get it all done. And we felt that as opposed to doing sort of a nights and weekends kind of a shoot, that it was going to be more successful for our project. So I would say, you know, if you are, if you're doing, if you're putting together a web series, you know, sort of take that into consideration in terms of, you know, what your, what the time and commitment for your cast and crew is going to be and model it to that. Right. So, you know, so if you're if you're going to do something that's kind of ambitious where you might, you know, where you're going to be outside of a city where you're going to need to be, you know, your your locations are going to force you outside of where people can get to easily, you know, consider trying to do something like that rather than doing a nights and, you know, a nights and weekends kind of thing, because it, it was just it was easier to kind of get that teamwork camaraderie kind of feel going around the project. And I think that really helped um you know the 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 final result this is kind of a, a newbie tip i guess but for people who haven't uh who are looking at working on their first project i'd say that that one of the best things you can do is really carefully lay out your schedule because if you're filming something of any kind of magnitude it is so easy to miss things you don't think it is Right. But you you're going to miss you're going to miss some angle that later you find out you really need. We got happily. We had a, a very good assistant director who kept us on schedule and really rode herd on the cast and crew and made sure that we were moving along at a good clip. But honestly, without him, it would have been so easy to to get to the editing room and realize, oh, you know, we never got that reverse shot that we wanted. Yeah, it's really easy mm -hmm. to do for sure. So lesson one is kidnap all of your cast and crew to a remote rural area where they can't get away for two weeks. Yes. Yes. That's uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It worked for us. <laughs> Two, make sure you have a very strong taskmaster who keeps them there until they get it done. Yes. Right. Okay. Those those both work. Yeah. So far, so good. <laughs> Build a wall. Build a wall. Build a big wall. Several right. feet yeah. tall think, and wide. Think Ben Hur in terms of your in terms of your production, uh, you know, production values. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and frighten I would them say, with with preppers and fires. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah, keep yeah, them in line. With, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, this is the the first time that Andy and I obviously have made a web series. So, you know, we learned a lot, you know, that we're going to hopefully bring the season to, but I would say, you know, having again, like we talked about before gone out and wrote scripts that were, had Hollywood interest and got people to put us in a room and meet with us at these studios and, and then tell us, 
you know, thanks for flying out here. By the way, this is all wrong. You need to do it this way. You know, I think I think the best thing, you know, the best advice I would have is even if it seems like a goofy idea that Hollywood never would never buy, you know, do it like figure it out, you know, figure it out for yourself that it's actually, you know, that that you can bring your own style to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you really learn. So we're still figuring it out, too. And even though you can go lean on crew, I think that you you really do serve yourself to have a couple of key positions in place. You know, if if you're if you're trying to be an entrepreneur who wrote it, is directing it, and starring in it, you can have a really hard time. Uh, yeah. just, I think there's, there's too much to do. Yeah, one of the best things we did was was hook up with Kent Malloy, who is our director, because um, when Andy and I were first talking about doing this project, we were thinking about directing it ourselves. And, um, you know, we really, we kind of stepped back and we said, okay, look, we're, we don't have a lot of experience at this. We're writers. We're real confident in our abilities there, but directing is a different ball game. And we can't just say, oh yeah, we'll do it. And we had worked with Kent, um, on a 48 hour film festival, uh, and he's in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And we said, let's, you know, let's, and we had a really good experience working with him. We said, let's, let's talk to him. Let's see if he'd be interested. And he really loved the concept and loved the script. And that was probably the best move we made was to uh, get him involved. Just to give him a shout out of congratulations. He just did another 48 hour film uh, that won best director and best picture at the uh, Cincinnati 48 hour film festival this week. So uh, go Kent. Go, yeah. go Kent. Yeah. So, so, you know, it, it's, um, you know, think, think about things like that and collaborate, get help. Don't think that you can be the auteur and you're going to, just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you're going to be good at everything. So mm-hmm. Justin and I were, although we both acted in dark age, we were never on, almost never on film at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's because whichever one of us was not on film was doing active producer work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> oh, and feature and feature cast and crew. Well, Yes, oh, if, yes, if you feed them, oh, they will be happy. food, yeah. So We got so many compliments from the crew, and our, our DP and our sound mixer are both guys who are, they graciously worked on our projects because they, they're both really talented guys, and they get a lot of commercial work. Uh, our, our sound mixer is actually in Alaska right now working on a, a show. Oh, wow. But but they both said, this is the best craft service I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get any of the food from the farm? No. Oh. No, they gave us no. They gave us. They we did had, a free they access us, to raspberries. They gave us berries and a bunch of stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's good. But actually, the catering was uh, was done pretty much uh, was done exclusively by Andy's mom, actually, and uh, oh. and my and my wife, who uh, uh, who teamed up and. Andy's mom actually, because she she lives in the area where we were shooting, set up literally a dining hall in her garage, and so we would have sit down dinners for you know fifteen people <laughs> every oh, night, great. and uh, kind of did it uh, you know mess hall style. But again, morale is everything. Yeah, <laughs> and not, not, only that, not only was she making the food, but she had a vegan. Somebody who was lactose intolerant and somebody who was gluten intolerant. Well, the vegan oh, and yeah. lactose intolerant can eat the same thing. So. Yeah. And, well, yeah, and, and somebody there who eats paleo, which is basically right. the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. So, so she was basically making like four different menus. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. No, everybody on every, our yeah. set, I did most of the catering. I was like, it's vegetarian and vegan. That you just, just deal with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> we brought in pizza one day. My yeah. dad catered one day, and uh, our sound, our boom operator's wife and her mom catered one day, and yeah. then yeah, I did the others. D- uh-huh. Don't 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 star in produce and cater. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I don't know how you could possibly do let, that. Yeah. Uh, let me that just was... tell you ahead of time. Yeah. Don't no. That's a huge. That's a huge piece of advice. Yeah. Catering should be its own department. It is <laughs> because you do not no want kidding. to be cooking the entire night before no. each shoot. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, and no, worked no. a full time job. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so you shot for like five minutes a day. <laughs> we're basically we're see we're masochists, so it works out great. We're shooting yeah. a film right now. <laughs> Excuse me, say cut. (laughs) 
hold for interview. Yeah. <laughs> Did we say you guys could move? Did we say yeah. you could move? <laughs> you, say, you said you're a masochist, and you know I think anybody who who wants to do this is probably a masochist. <laughs> At the very least, a sadist, and just enjoy torturing everybody. Yes. Yeah. I want to make movies with very little money. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder how I could go about this. <laughs> I need some masochists. <laughs> you should just put that on Craig's list when trying to yeah, no. put it together. <laughs> see what turns up. That would be interesting. <laughs> and then run. <laughs> this really wasn't the film I intended to make. Yeah. But it's made a lot of money. Another bondage that I planned. And I'm not really sure, but it seems to have a demographic. We'll go with it. <laughs> Uh, how do we go in like 50 shades of dark age? <laughs> I, I want my shirt back. <laughs> you said I didn't have to make these kinds of movies anymore. <laughs> I got legit. Well, on that note, <laughs> on 50 shades of dark age. So, before we go. Can yeah. you guys go ahead and tell everyone where they can find your uh, web series? And also, if there's any other projects you want to mention, too. Yeah, anything right. else that's already out there or upcoming. Shameless plug time. Plug away. Absolutely. Oh, boy. So check out Dark Age at www.darkage.tv. So not .com, darkage.tv. Uh, please follow us and like us on Facebook. And follow us on Twitter, too, which is at dark underscore age underscore series um we are going to be shooting a promo for our fundraising campaign for season two in about a month and uh hopefully season two will be coming in uh summer of 2014 so thanks a lot I'm indie actress Jen Page from Dorkness Rising, Geek Seekers, Chop Saki Boom, and more, and you're listening to Genretainment. Well, special thanks to Justin and Andrew for speaking with us, and we look forward to seeing season two and hopefully more beyond that, unless the world ends first. Uh oh. If it does, I blame them. (laughs) Yes. So that's it for today's Genretainment. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll be back with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. And don't forget, you can also check out the other great shows on this channel like Ian Cullen's SFP Now and more. Until Until next time. time.